You're listening to the Seabreeze Church Podcast. Well, good morning. It's great to be with you guys. Like Dale said, my name's Elliot. I'm the Connection Pastor here. And we are continuing our series that we've titled Transformation in Christ. And what we're looking at in this series, we're looking at um, the things that are involved in seeing transformation take place. And it's worth pointing out as we're walking through this series, it's worth pointing out and just making it really clear that transformation is actually God-initiated. The change that we need in our lives and that God wants to bring into our lives, it's actually initiated by God. The most well-known verse in the Bible, John 3.16, this is what it says. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave, that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So this verse is making the point that God is the one, he made the first move. He's the one who gave so that we can be changed. Transformation is God-initiated. But even after we make the decision to follow Jesus, we, you know, he initiates it, then we make the decision, we have to decide if we're going to respond in faith and turn from our sin and follow him. Even after we make the decision, he is still the one who's doing the primary lifting. He's doing the primary work and seeing change take place in our lives. But now, we have a role to play. We don't just sit back passively and the change suddenly happens. We have a role to play. So we've been looking at this tool that's referred to as the wheel, and it summarizes some of the things that the Bible says that we're to focus on and participate in as we experience transformation. It's really, really helpful because it identifies some of, the, some of the practices and some of the realities that we need to keep in mind. So, so far in this series, We've seen that Christ is the hub of the wheel. He's the power source. The hub is where the power for movement comes from in a wheel. So Christ is the hub of the wheel. He's the one that we rely on as we go through life. The rim of the wheel is obedience. As we obey God, as we take him seriously enough to do the things that he instructs us to do, the wheel moves and we begin to grow and change. Last week, we looked at the vertical spoke, the top vertical spoke, which is the Bible. It's how God speaks to us. And then this week, we're going to look at the other vertical spoke, which is prayer. It's an important way that we learn to depend upon God and then also communicate with God. Now, something else that we've talked about as we've gone through this series of talking about the wheel is we've talked about how the wheel serves as a diagnostic tool. It's a tool that we can use and kind of reflect on our own lives and consider how we're doing in these different areas. And this is something that I've Um, done on a fairly regular basis is I'll sit down and I'll think about these different categories and I'll just kind of ask the question of myself, self-reflective, how am I doing? What's my, what does my practice look like? How am I spending my time? Am I really leaning in and growing in these areas or is there one that I need to put some more effort into? And pretty consistently, I want to show you what my wheel looks like. My wheel looks like this right here. Looks kind of like a flat tire. (laughs) Because for me, prayer over and over again, it's a struggle for me. I mean, it's still kind of round. I mean, you can move forward, but it's just unnecessarily bumpy when your wheel's all out of balance. And so for me, it looks kind of like a flat tire because I struggle when it comes to this area of prayer. And I think one of the reasons that I struggle with this is the other other categories on the wheel, they're more tangible to me. If I sit down and I I read the Bible. I mean, it's a physical book that I'm reading. If I, when it comes to, you know, church involvement and stuff related to ministry, I mean, I'm, I'm interacting with other people, with physical people at a physical address. Or when it comes to, say, volunteering or serving and being involved in some way like that, again, it's, 
it's at a scheduled time. I'm expected to accomplish a specific thing. It's much more tangible. But when it comes to prayer, I'm talking to God who's invisible. And so over and over again, for me, this is one of those categories. It's incredibly important that I do it. But over and over again, it's an area where I have to, I have to take intentional steps to grow. Because like I said, I, I struggle in this area. So as we talk about prayer this morning, I just want to start and say, I am not coming from a place where I'm the expert who has perfected this. I'm trying to grow in this area. And I think the things that we're going to explore this morning, I know that they've really helped me, and I think that they'll help you as well. So let's dive in. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. This is going to be kind of the passage that we explore as we walk through this this morning. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, this is what we read. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Notice in this passage, notice the starting point and the end point. The starting point, it refers to anxiety. It says, don't be anxious about anything. Anxiety often is when it's, it's the outcome of relying on ourselves. We think it's up to us. We are relying on our, our understanding, our power, our ability, and that's how we're approaching life. That's kind of the perspective we have, and one of the outcomes of that is anxiety. So it says, don't do that. The other end is peace, and it's not just any peace that's referenced in this passage. It calls it the peace of God. The peace of God is a state of being calm and relaxed because you know that God is involved and you're relying on him. And it's interesting to me that in this passage, that takes place, that shift from being anxious to having the peace of God takes place, but there's no reference to the circumstances changing. So the peace didn't just kind of magically happen because the circumstance changed, and the peace didn't just come at random. The peace comes because there are specific actions that are acted upon, specific practices that are done, and then there's realities behind those that are the motivation for why we do it. And so this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to look at these three words that are in the middle there, prayer, petition, and thanksgiving. Three words that all kind of, as you read through the Bible, you'll find these three words are often kind of clumped together when it talks about prayer, and they each kind of explain an important aspect of prayer. And we're going to explore these three, and then we're also not just going to understand the words, we're also going to look at the realities about God that explain why we do these words, why we practice these three things in our lives. So let's start, and we're going to look at the first word, the word prayer. What prayer is, is prayer describes the general category of talking to God. There's a lot of different prayers that you could think of. There are formal prayers that are eloquent and poetic. There are rushed prayers. There are impromptu prayers. There are panicked prayers. There are verbalized prayers where with our words we communicate with God. There's also thought prayers where even though we don't say it out loud, in our mind we're thinking, God, would you act in this specific way? Or God, would you help me in this situation? So our thoughts are directed to communicate to God. So the word prayer, it's a, it's a word that captures in a general category, are words that are directed to God. That's what prayer is. A few um, weeks ago, it was a Monday night, I was at home with the family. We had just had dinner, and um, we cleaned up, and then I went into the living room, and I turned on uh, the Monday night football game. And it was the game where 
DeMar Hamlin had collapsed on the field after making a hit. He'd, he'd gone into cardiac arrest. And I turned it on right after that event took place. So I turned it on, and it just instantly, I mean, I went from just kind of being like, oh, I'll have the game on as background noise while we do some stuff to, you know, I'm just glued to the TV trying to figure out what in the world's going on, what's going to happen, probably like many of you were. So I'm sitting there watching this, and they had the images of the players gathering on the field. The players gathered, and they prayed, and even, I think, later that night and into the next day, the family um, put out a statement and asked for prayer. But one of the things that really stood out to me as I was watching all this unfold and listening to the, to the announcers on TV was how few times they used the word prayer. Some of them would say it. Some of them would say, our thoughts and prayers are with Damar. And one I can think of who actually said, hey, we need to pray in this situation. But as a whole, like, if you paid attention to it, a lot of them, the best they could say was, our thoughts are with Damar or just verbalize that this is a really tragic situation. But it was interesting to me how few times they use the word prayer. And I know that that's not unique to that situation that took place during Monday Night Football. I mean, if you pay attention to really any natural disaster, any tragedy that happens in our society, increasingly, instead of the word prayer, people will say, you know, our thoughts are with the family or sending good thoughts their way, or even increasingly one of the things we're saying is sending positive vibes. So we're, we're just increasingly replacing the word prayer with thoughts or good thoughts. And one of the reasons that we're doing this, one of the reasons that the word prayer is increasingly getting pushed out of the public conversation is because behind this movement, there's a belief that God probably isn't there. There's probably no God there. But if God is there, he really isn't concerned with what's happening, and he's definitely not going to intervene and act. So why would I pray? There's, there's nobody there who's really listening to me. I'm, I'm alone. We're alone. There's, there's nothing out there but us. So if it comes to solving a problem, we're the ones that have to do it. There's, there's increasingly this idea that, I mean, there's really no reason to pray. I mean, the best we can come up with is, well, we can, we can think good thoughts, we can try to be positive about the situation, but there's no, there's no deity who loves us who's really going to interact in this given situation. And it's because that's kind of this growing idea that, well, we're, we're all alone. It's up to us. So in the face of tragedy or some disaster that happens, really, increasingly, prayer doesn't make sense because is anybody even listening? It's up to us. So in our society, prayer is viewed as the equivalent to throwing pennies into a wishing well. It might make us feel good in the moment, but we all kind of know deep down nothing's going to happen. But here's the reality. Here's the reality behind why we pray. The reality is God is near, and he has the power to act. This is why we pray. We pray because the reality is God is near, and he has the power to act. We're not alone. It's not just us and some impersonal universe. This is what it says in Psalm 46, verse 1. It says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. We're not all alone. God is there. And like it says, he's ever-present and he's ready to help. It's not just us. He's near and he has the power to act. Another verse in the book of Psalms, verse chapter, uh, Psalm 23, verse 4, the Psalm 23 is the psalm that begins with, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In verse 4, it says this, it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, think about that for a second. When is life, 
When does life most feel like God is not present? What's well, in the valley of the shadow of death? It's when life is its darkest and most painful. So he says, even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Even when it's darkest and it feels like God's not there, guess what? He's still there. And he's ready to protect and he's ready to lead. He's with us. And because of this reality that God is near and he has the power to act, God actually invites us to pray. So he says this in the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah 33, verse 3. He says, call to me and I will answer you because I'm near and I have the power to act. This is why we pray. We pray because of this reality about God. The next word is the word petition. A petition is a specific request. Now, when we use the word petition in our society, often we're referring to petitioning a court or maybe you know, we're collecting signatures because we're going to submit a petition to the government. And in those situations, what we want to see is we want to see change happen. There's some specific request that we have. We've got something specific that we want to see done, and so we put out a petition. Well, it's the same way when it comes to prayer. When it uses this term petition, when it comes to prayer, this is referring to specific requests, things that we are taking to God in prayer and saying, this very specific thing, this is what I'm asking for. This is what I want to see happen. This is a change that I would like to see occur, take place. And it begs the question when it comes to the idea of going to God with these very specific things that we want to see change or happen differently. It begs the question, how is it possible that our prayers impact what God chooses to do? I mean, we think, okay, well, he's present and he has the power to help, but then isn't he in control of everything? And if he's in control of everything and he already knows what's going to happen, then will my prayers really impact what's going to happen? I mean, sometimes we think like, well, prayer is just kind of a guess. You know, we'll pray for this, and if we guess right, it happens. But, you know, God's will is going to happen regardless, so why pray? But the reason that we pray and the reason that God allows our prayers to impact what happens is because God desires a personal relationship with us. This is the second reality. God desires a personal relationship with me. And I, I encourage you to write the word me. Make it personal. You. God loves you. He invites you into a personal relationship with him. And in a personal relationship, both parties have influence. And because God wants to have a personal relationship with us, what that means is God opens himself up to our influence. And that doesn't jeopardize his sovereignty. At the same time that he is in control and he knows what's going to happen, he opens himself up, and we now have influence in what's going to happen. You know, I think about, in my life, there are a lot of people who have influenced me. A lot of people who, you know, I've read their books and they've shaped the way that I think. Maybe it's a band and the lyrics to their songs have shaped my attitude in a given situation, or maybe it's a celebrity or an athlete who's shaped what I think is cool. When I think about those people, just because they've influenced me, there's really no personal relationship with them. I've never, I've never met them. There's no dialogue. There's no give and take, no back and forth. The influence is just one way. They might have influenced me with their ideas or what they do, but I don't have any influence on them. But that's not how it is when it comes to God. God opens himself up, like I said, to influence with us because he desires a personal relationship. He opens himself up. And he actually, he's the one who pursues the relationship. 
He's the one who initiates the relationship. And he says, hey, when you come to me and you pray and you present your specific requests, I'm listening to those and paying attention. And you now have influence in what's going to happen. And when you have a personal relationship like that, it only makes sense to make specific requests because it's a close personal relationship. You know, let's imagine for a second that I had you over to my house and you're hanging out with my family and we're in the living room and we're watching a Lakers game and as we're watching it, you know, I'm like, you know, talking about the team, blah, 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 telling you all this stuff. And then I just kind of subtly say, you know, midway through the game, well, you know, my dad's the owner of the Lakers, right? And he's not, just to clarify. <laughs> but let's just say I just dropped that and I'm just like, yeah, my, my dad's the owner of the Lakers. Well, then your, your next thought's probably going to be, well, why don't we go to a game? Like, so, you know, you'll probably say that. You'll say, hey, like, well, if your dad owns the team, like, Maybe next time, instead of watching the game in your living room, like, what if we get courtside seats or maybe a box at the game? Do you think we could do that? And then I'm like, well, you know, um, I just don't feel like that's appropriate. You know, I think that would be awkward. I, I, don't, like, I don't like asking my dad for stuff like that. I don't like making specific requests to him. I mean, my dad and I, we, we don't really talk basketball. We don't, we don't have that kind of relationship. You know? Well, you'd probably be like, well, Elliot, your dad doesn't own the Lakers, does he? Because if he did a personal request, it would be natural. It would be normal to get specific and say, hey, this is something specific that I want to see. I mean, that makes sense because of a personal relationship. And it's the same thing when it comes to God. God wants a personal relationship. So specific requests that we present to him, they make sense. He wants them. They're not awkward. They don't inconvenience him. He's not like, oh, come on, get over yourself. He invites them because of the personal relationship. So take your specific requests to him in prayer because he wants a personal relationship. The third thing, the third word is the word thanksgiving. With prayer petition, with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, included in this list, it's interesting that this word is used to describe how we pray. Because it says, in all circumstances, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. So the idea is, when you're praying, as you're making your request, you're communicating thanksgiving. Thanksgiving often makes sense after we get what we want. You know, that might make sense. If it was like, you know, with prayer and petition, after your request is answered, then be thankful. But it doesn't say that. It says, prayer and petition with thanksgiving. So as you're praying... You're communicating thanksgiving. And the reason that it says to do that is because of this reality that God is good. So as we pray and we communicate our thanksgiving to God through our prayer and through our petition, we're communicating our belief that God is good and that we can trust him. You know, something that I hear people say, and I've said myself from time to time, you know, it's a kind of a common thing in our culture, is the statement prayer works. And I think when we use this, there's several different ways that we would um, use this. And I don't think it's always unhelpful when we use it, but there are, there are times where it kind of leads to some false thinking about what prayer is when we use the statement prayer works. Because often how we'll use it is we'll say, you know, we're praying for something specific. Maybe you're praying for a pay raise at work. And then you get the pay raise, and then we'll make the statement prayer works. And over time, we kind of start to think that, like, well, I pray, and then it happens. So, you know, it's kind of like turning the ignition switch in your car. I mean, 
it, it really only works when the car turns on. So we kind of think, well, like, prayer works means that if we ask for something, we're just automatically going to get it. And then what happens is we kind of get this idea that God is kind of like our cosmic butler. And we'll get out the, the bell of, of prayer, and we'll kind of ring the bell, and God will come running, and we'll tell him what we want, and then he'll go away, and he'll get what we want, and then he'll come back and give it to us, and we'll be like, oh, it worked. But that, that, that's not how prayer works. What about in situations where prayer just does not work, where you're praying and nothing happens? You're praying and you don't get what you ask for. What about in situations where you've been making a specific request maybe for years and nothing's happening in that situation? What if, you know, what if you're single and you're asking God to bring the right person into your life? Or what if you and your spouse want to get pregnant, but you can't? Or what if you're asking God to repair a broken relationship but there's no movement, and actually it just looks like the situation just keeps getting worse. I mean, does prayer not work in those situations? You know, God is, God's not our cosmic butler. That's not the nature of the type of relationship that he wants with us. Prayer is not just like the bell that we ring, and he comes running to do what we want. And actually, God doesn't always answer our prayers. Sometimes we pray, and it happens. There's other times where we pray, and it seems like the opposite happens. And there's the reality that sometimes you pray and it's, it seems like there's silence on the other end. So what do we do with those situations? How are we supposed to be thankful? Why does it say be thankful? Well, the reason that we're being thankful is not because our specific request was answered. The reason that we're being thankful and the reason it says do this with thanksgiving is because of the reality that God is good and we can trust him. This is why we're thankful. So even if we make a request and it's not responded to or answered, we're still saying, I'm going to be thankful because I know that God is good and I can trust him. That's the reality. So when I pray, I can go in front of him and I can say, God, I have asked you for this for a thousand times. I'm coming to you once again and I'm saying, this is what I would like to see happen. And even if it doesn't happen, God, I know that you are good. I know that you know what's best for me, and I know that I can trust you. And so I'm thanking you, because even before I know what's going to happen, I still know that you are good, and you're going to do good in this situation. So here's my specific request, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you to be good, and I'm going to thank you. So that's how we have Thanksgiving. We have Thanksgiving because of the reality that God is good, and we can trust him. And then we make our specific requests. And we make our specific requests because God desires a relationship with us. And then we know that God is near and he has the power to act. So that's the big reason why we pray. These three actions, prayer, petition, and thanksgiving, all have realities about God that motivate why we do these things. Now I want to shift. And I, um, now that we kind of know kind of categories of prayer, and how we pray, and realities behind it. I want to shift, and I want to give you a few prayer tips. These are things, we're going to get real practical. These are things that have helped me really get traction and apply prayer in my life. So I want to give you three prayer tips. First one is, as you pray, pray as part of your regular time reading the Bible. So last week we talked about um, developing a personal practice of reading the Bible, and that's a way for us to regularly get in front of God and have him speak to us. So as you're doing that, as you're spending regular time 
reading the Bible, one of the things that you can do is take the things that you're learning, take the things that God is showing to you, take the things that he's speaking to you about, and turn those things in to prayer. So for me, just this last week, um, I like to split, currently what I'm doing is I'm splitting my time between um, a little bit of time in the Old Testament portion of the Bible and then a little bit of time in the New Testament portion. So in the Old Testament portion, I was reading in the book of um, Esther. And the thing that stood out to me in that book was there was an individual, and he came up with this elaborate plan. And it looked like his plan was going to keep what God said was going to happen from happening. God had made a promise a long time ago. And then this individual came up with this really elaborate plan that looked like it was going to undo what God has said was going to happen. And from the surface level, everybody thought, oh, no, God's plan's not going to take place. But then as you read through the story, there's a kind of a series of events, and that man's plan is brought to a crashing halt, and what God said is going to happen actually takes place. So as I read through that passage, the thing that struck me was like, over and over again in history, God has made a promise, and it looks like the plans of humans are going to undo what God had promised, but again and again, what God says is going to happen is what happens. So as I reflected on that, what stood out to me is God is faithful. I mean, he says something's going to happen, and it's going to happen. So I just turned that reading into a prayer. And I sat there for a minute, and I thanked God. I said, God, I thank you that again and again you've said something's going to happen. And even though on the surface it looks like we're headed in a direction, and it looks like we're going off a cliff, but again and again what you've promised happens. So I thank you that that's the reality. So I turned that into a prayer. Another thing that I was reading was in um, the book of Acts. So I would spend a little bit of time in the Old Testament, a little bit of time in the New Testament. In the book of Acts, it's kind of a history of the church getting started. There's this group of people, and when they're told about God's plan to see more people get saved, they repeatedly get angry. And so it's, it's an interesting response because if you hear that God loves people and he wants his love to extend to more people, you would think that it would be like, oh, that's great but repeatedly this group would get angry at hearing that. And the reason that they got angry was because of their arrogance. They thought that they were more important or better than these other people who God was going to show his love to. And so as I was reading through that, I turned that into a prayer as well. That was actually a question I asked to God. I said, God, is in my life, I mean, I know I, I, I'm a human. I struggle with arrogance. But God, is there an area of my life where there's either individuals or people that deep down I actually don't want your love to extend to. And God, if there is, would you show me that arrogance and help change me? So I just very simply took the things that I'm reading that God's allowing to stand out to me as I'm going through the Bible and turn those in to prayer. So prayer, pray, is part of your regular Bible reading. That's tip number one. Tip number two is turn your anxieties, worries, and troubles into prayer. This is actually the thing that we're told to do in this Philippians passage. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So what are the things that you're anxious about? What are the things that are causing you to worry, that keep you up, that you're, you're concerned about which direction it'll go? What are, the, what are the things in your life that are causing you trouble or the pressure points that you're facing? Turn those very specific, practical things into prayer. For me, the... The, the place where I spend the most time praying and the place in my life where there's the most anxiety, worry, or trouble is related to the people in this picture right here. This is my family. I know we all look, we all look happy in this photo, and we are, we are a happy family, 
But it's amazing. An 18-month-old, man, that guy can keep me up at night and cause me to pray a lot. You know, and as the kids get older, I mean, there's so many different paths that they could go down. So regularly, I'm just, I find myself saying, God, would you, would you have mercy on my kids? I don't know how this is going to turn out. I mean, I know for me, there were a lot of crossroads I came to, a lot of pivotal decisions that I faced. So regularly, I'm asking God, and when it comes to parenting, I'm asking God, give me wisdom in parenting and knowing, knowing how to kind of steer these kids and how to raise them and how to respond to different situations. They get the majority of my prayer. When it comes to my marriage, a, a regular thing that I'm asking is, God, you know, I just have this tendency to be selfish in my approach to my relationship with my wife. God, help me, help me to approach my wife out of love and concern for her instead of just concern for me. Actually, the person in this picture that causes me the most trouble in life is me. So I pray a lot for me. I do. I'll, I'll ask for wisdom. I'll ask God to change me. I'll go to God and I'll confess a sin that I am aware of or ask him, God, is there sin in my life that I need to be aware of so that I can change? I routinely pray for me. You know, every once in a while, you'll hear people talk about, you know, yeah, you got to kind of pray for the big things, like pray for world peace and, you know, global evangelization of the world. But then when it comes to their life, they really don't pray for themselves. But again, we're in, we're in this personal relationship with God. He invites us to present our specific requests. So it's only natural the things that you're going through, the very practical things that you're experiencing, that those would be the things that you regularly bring to God. So for you... Where, where are the points of anxiety? What, is it, what, what causes you worry or concern in life? Where's the pressure or the trouble? Take those very practical, real things that you're experiencing and turn those into prayers. The third tip, and this is something that um, I don't do as often as I would like, but the third tip is to create time for extended prayers. And what I mean by extended prayers is 30 minutes or more. It's not just like a quick, you know, thought prayer. It's not a quick, you know, at the end of your reading in the morning, quick five minutes. It's extended time, 30 minutes or more, maybe an hour, maybe, maybe a morning, maybe four hours. Again, I, I don't do this as often as I would like, but um, there's a few different things I've done that have really helped me do this. One is um, I've found that walking my neighborhood is one of the better times for me to do this. So I'll you know, it'll be in the evening maybe, and I'll, um, I'll kind of help put the kids to bed and kind of get everything settled. And then it's not every day, it's not even every week, but if the opportunity is there, then I'll, I'll just go and I'll kind of walk through the neighborhood and spend time talking to God. Another time when I try to do extended prayer is um, my wife and I, we have growth groups at different times. And so hers is in the evening, and so um, she'll go to her group and, you know, again, I'll kind of get the get the kids settled down, and then I don't do this every week when she's gone, but what I'll try to do from time to time is instead of turning the TV on or instead of diving into some project with work or something around the house, I'll take that time of hopefully silence, hopefully the kids will stay in their rooms, and I'll take that extended time, and I'll, I'll pray. I'll use that time instead of using it on all these different things. This is some strategic time that I can spend talking to God, telling him what's going on in my life, asking him for specific things, spending time praising him and reflecting on who he is, extended time of prayer. Again, this is going to look different for, for different people. For some people, they'll go on a walk and they're just distracted the whole time. Other people, they can focus. Maybe, maybe, you're, um, maybe you've got a commute to work. I know people that have used the commute to work and they've turned off the radio or 
decided not to listen to a podcast that day, and they'll use that extended time in the car to pray. It could look a lot of different ways. Maybe for you, it's best, you know, if you're just in your room with, with the silence, you in your room sitting in a chair, spending time talking to God. But I encourage you to figure out what would it look like to create time for extended prayers, time where it's just you focusing on talking to God, telling him what's going on, making specific requests, and thanking him for who he is. These three practices, again and again, these three practices have helped me stay consistent in prayer and also helped me pray more. And again, the reason that we can pray is because of the realities that God is near and he has the power to act. So today, as you go through your day, the entire day, God is near no matter where you are when you go today. He is near and he has the power to act. And God desires a personal relationship with you. And what that means is it's not awkward or weird to make specific requests of him. So as you go through your day and as he's near, ask him stuff. Make specific requests. And then as you do that, be thankful that he is good and you can trust him. So even if what you're asking for doesn't happen, he's still good. You can trust him and you know what's best. He knows what's best. And that's why we pray. So let's pray. Father God, I... I thank you for these three realities. I thank you that we are not alone. It's not up to us. It's not just us and the universe, but you are near and you have the power to act. I thank you for that reality. And God, I thank you for the fact that you desire a personal relationship and a characteristic of a personal relationship is two-way influence. You give us the privilege of allowing our prayers to influence what happens. I thank you for that. And God, I thank you that you're good. And I know that there are always areas of our lives where we're asking for things and it's not happening or it seems like there's silence and we're confused. But God, in the middle of that, we still can trust that you are good and that you know what is best. God, I thank you for those things. And I thank you that when we bring our prayers, you hear us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Seabreeze Church Podcast. For more information about our church, you can visit our website, seabreezechurch.com. Thanks again for listening in, and we hope you'll join us next week for the Seabreeze Church Podcast.